Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to a new week. Welcome to the latest Full Throttle Bikes Racing podcast here at Eurosport for Monday, the 27th of August, 2018. I'm Greg Haynes. Well, it's easy to forget that we still have a world superbike season ongoing this year, but we're in the middle at the moment of a monumental 10-week summer break, nine weekends with no racing at all. But there was testing going on last week at Portimao in Portugal, but I was at Silverstone ahead of what we thought was going to be the British Grand Prix, sat in the Alpine Stars hospitality on Friday with my colleague and friend Michael Hale, the Paddock Show host, as we sat back and had a relaxed and completely, as always, unscripted chat about the season so far, what's expected at the final four rounds, and of course, the 2019 following the latest rider signing. Alvaro Bautista, after 16 years in the Grand Prix paddock, will switch to World Superbikes and join Chas Davis at Aruba Ducati. So here's what Michael and I had to say back on Friday. Well, I'm sitting here in the Alpine Stars hospitality unit at Silverstone. It's Friday afternoon. We've just seen the second MotoGP session of the weekend, and it seems as though the Yamahas are back. I don't know where they found that pace from, but by the time this podcast goes out, we'll know how the race panned out too. But it's a bit windy. It's starting to rain. It's very blustery. But I'm actually here to talk about World Superbikes, and I'm with Michael Hill, the Paddock Show host, former racer. He, of course, joined us on the podcast earlier this year. Michael, first of all, congratulations, because it looks as though the two wheels for life event that you hosted here yesterday went very well. How much was raised again? Yeah, so for the auction alone, it was £103,645, which uh, is phenomenal, really, uh, when you think about the economic climate that we're in and people don't have money, but uh, it seems that uh, when there's a bit of MotoGP memorabilia around, the uh, people dig deep in their pockets. It was a great day, really, really great day. We started at 9 o'clock, finished at 10 past 8 when we uh, finally got told to uh, to get off the stage. <laughs> but uh, no, it was great fun. And, you know, all of the riders were involved, all MotoGP riders. Riders, some some great banter on stage, and uh, so Susie Perry was there. Gavin Emmett, Julian Ryder made an appearance. Keith Ewan was on stage. So uh, yeah, for the fans coming in, it was uh, hopefully a great day and uh, a good way to kick off the, the British Grand Prix. And you're telling me one bloke paid what was it three and a half grand for a selfie with Mark Marquez and almost wiped him out of the race weekend by the sounds of it. Yeah, I mean it was crazy money. There was uh, you know various riders taking selfies, and uh, the winning bidder for uh, for Mark Marquez came up onto the stage, and uh, Mark, being Mark, just didn't want to do a traditional arm on the shoulder selfie he actually bent down and tried to pick this guy up on his shoulders and they both ended up in a heap on the floor with this guy on top of him so it was all it was all quite amusing and uh, Mark escaped and injured and uh, did actually manage to get this chap on his shoulders in the end but uh, it was all good fun and uh, yes yeah, over a hundred grand raised uh, in the auction over sort of four or five hours was uh, was great yeah, it's excellent stuff. And it was Keith Ewan's birthday, I heard, so it was 
a bit of a surprise for that, but let's talk about World Superbikes then. Oh no, let's talk about Keith Ewan's birthday because uh, the, the poor guy uh, had no idea what was about to happen. And uh, 51, of course, Keith. Happy yeah, birthday. yeah, happy birthday, Keith. Uh, looking good, but uh, no, so looking uh, quite good. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. But the idea was to uh, to try and embarrass him. I've obviously got to know Keith quite well over the last few years, so he was just literally handing the stage back to me to continue, and I basically took the mic off him and said, "You're not going anywhere, sunshine," and uh, proceeded to bring on uh, a lot of the young riders from BSB. Uh, Ed Best, Asher Durham, uh, the two Vaway boys, Luke and Cade, Tristan Finocchiaro, uh, Alex Murley. So there was a whole load of... Who, who wasn't here yesterday? Oh, there was loads of people. Peter Hickman came on as well. Oh, really? And, uh, you know, uh, as I then pointed out, you know, former presidents of the United States have had Marilyn Monroe serenading happy birthday. I got down on uh, on one knee and started serenading old Keith, which oh, was, uh, dear, which was brilliant. And, uh, uh, yeah, even Peter Hickman got involved. And I said, well, he can actually sing. Eh? Not just, really? Yeah, not just fast on the old uh, Smith's BMW. He was... Uh, He's, uh, he can certainly warble a tune, can Peter. Despite his kidney and liver infection, which he still hasn't quite got over. I thought you were going to say the former president of the United States was on the stage for a second there. I thought you were going to say Barack Obama was up there. Hey, could you imagine that? That would be great, wouldn't it? That's something to think about for next year, maybe. Absolutely. It's pouring down it now, is isn't it? This down. is terrible. Yeah, we're sat here on Friday. As I said, by the time you're listening to this, uh, we'll know who won this race. But I'm glad we're actually inside, otherwise I'll get me hair wet. Yeah, very much. Anyone who knows Michael Hill, you know what, he's, what he means there. Um, no, I didn't want to talk about World Supers though, Michael, because we've still got a while. This summer break, they've got to get it closed up, haven't they? But that's another subject altogether. It's looking really good for next year, isn't it? We've had Alvaro Bautista confirm now alongside Chaz Davis. Your thoughts on that? It's good to have a different nationality, I think, in one of the leading teams, isn't it? Yeah, no, we've got nine riders now confirmed on the grid. Obviously, the, the two Kawasaki's. We know that Leon Haslam's coming back to the championship, and uh, for sure, Leon's going to be a contender. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's been second in the championship before. He's won several races, and, uh, you know, we're starting in Australia, where he's typically been well. For sure, he's going to want to come out and make his mark and, uh, you know, take the fight to, to Jonathan, who... And he will push Jonathan, won't he? Because we, we all know Jonathan, we all know Leon, and Leon will give him a run for his money I think it's fair I to th say. Yeah I think he will you know I think over the last couple of years uh, you know Jonathan has been the, the strongest candidate uh, yeah. over, over a season there's been yeah. various races where other riders have stepped up to the plate and, yeah. and, and won races but I think the you know, Kawasaki team will be strong as it has been uh, Yamaha are staying status quo but look how good Yamaha's got both Michael mm. uh, Vandermark and uh, Alex Lowe's are now race winners uh, they look to be going pretty fast in the Portimao test so the Yamaha is going to continue getting better uh, obviously Top Rack has, has signed uh, he's going to stay with Pichetti. Yeah. Uh, Pedicini are stepping up. They're retaining the service of, y of Yoni Hernandez and young Gabi uh, Ruiu, who's uh, obviously riding for them in stock. So he finally gets a, a superbike chance after the one he had this yeah. year was uh, was taken away from yeah. him. Uh, and then now, of course, the Ducati piece of the puzzle has, has slotted in. So uh, you know, I think it's good that Chaz has uh, decided to stay. And it was quite interesting reading the press release. You know, He said, look, Ducati, believe in me. Um, and that was important for Chaz, I think. I spoke yeah. to him uh, over the season, especially as we, uh, we left uh, Laguna when he was saying, you know, it's all about the, the team and the feel that you've got in the team. So the fact that Ducati have, have made that point of saying, look, Chaz, we want you, we want to, we want to yeah. keep you. That that will be great for his yeah. his mental state. And he's uh, got a two-year deal, I noticed as well, hasn't he? Yeah, and I saw that. It took 2019 and 2020. And so that, yeah. that is that is good. And Which I uh, think he needed. Sorry to cut in, no, but I think he needed it because he knows next year. I could be wrong here. And if you feel differently, you, you feel free to... Oh, wow. I'm sorry, we're just looking at the screens here. It's absolutely pouring down here at Silverstone now. Poor woman in the grandstand. Looked yeah. like Mary Poppins. It's so she's about windy. to take off. So windy outside. Let's see. Uh, yeah. So we're just uh, watching Moto2, free practice two, as we talk to you. Chikati, Chaz Davis. Yeah, uh, next year is going to do a development year for that V4, isn't it? And I think they probably will win races. But I think realistically, Chaz knows 
he's not going to be challenging for the title until 2020, in my opinion. That's why I think he was pushing. You're, you're not so sure, are you? I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not so <laughs> sure because I think that, um, granted, it's a new bike, and we yeah. know that when the Panigale came out, it was a development year. But let's not forget the first year that the Panigale came out, Carlos Checa put it on pole position in uh, in Phillip Island. Mm. It went wrong in the race because he was wiped out by, uh, was it Melandry that actually took him out? I'm trying was to that think. the one at the first corner when he nearly uh, got ridden over? You know what, the hairpin. Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. And I, can't, I can't remember who it was. Some, well, somebody wiped him yeah. out anyway. Yeah. And that, yeah, then, that was nasty, actually. Yeah, yeah, then that sort of put Carlos Checker on the back foot. And it was mid-season before they, knew they got onto the podium. Yeah. So, realistically, I think the bike is got, the bike has to be a contender for the podium from, from the outset. I would hope so. I, I would think, you know, yeah. and, and they've been testing it in the CIV Championship. They've been mm. testing it in Italy with, yeah. uh, well, Michele Piro will have done yeah. hundreds of laps on Lenzo it. Lorenzo Zanetti's done Zanetti's a lot of done some testing. Yeah. So I think the bike will be quick. What's interesting for me is that they've elected not to retain the services of Marco Melandri. They've uh, obviously opted to go with um, Alvaro Bautista. There's lots in the press as to, as to why, and it's not for me or you to speculate as to yeah. why. But you know, Marco, well, we can speculate if well, we, we want to. We can speculate if you if we want to, but you know, I don't I don't think it's 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 the right thing to do. I think Marco was 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 looking at other teams. There's no secret yeah. about that. He's openly admitted yeah. he was looking at other teams, and that we've known that for weeks, months. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Months. So that, that's no secret. And and Ducati, the brand of Ducati is 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 a very well known brand, a very successful brand in the Superbike World Championship yeah. as it is in, in MotoGP, and they did what any manufacturer, any any factory team would do. The moment that they knew that their other their riders were potentially looking elsewhere, they also started looking and yeah. talking to other riders. So they weren't just talking mm. to Alvaro Bautista, they were talking to many other riders. Yeah. We believe that Eugene Laverty wanted to ride there. Definitely. Plus the you know other riders as well that maybe we don't know about. You know, Chabi Forres has made no secret that mm. he would have loved a chance on the factory team. He would have been good there as well, let's be honest. Yeah, for sure, you know. So I think, you know, there was a whole long list and, and Ducati needed to, to get things signed because if Bautista was coming to World Superbike, um, irrelevant of what team he was going to go to and there was an opportunity that he could go to a rival manufacturer or a rival team, Ducati did what they had to do. There was no, no commitment for, for Marco to join, to join. There was no contract signed and they, they went ahead uh, They went ahead and they, uh, they basically signed um, uh, Alvaro, which for the championship I think is great. He seems a real quirky character. I know him a little bit from when he raced in uh, 125s and 250s as teammates to Hector Farbell. And uh, all I want to know is, can he sing as good as Jordi Torres? <laughs> well, he's great though from the championship from the point of view that and nothing against British riders because we have a very good championship in Britain and all of the front runners there have come through Britain at one stage or other but it is good to have a different nationality as I said before on one of what you would expect to be the front top line bikes that has got to be a good thing and, and more interest from Spain which needs it to be honest no I think it's great I think you know the championship you know rightly or wrongly has been uh, been perceived as being you know a championship just, just for British riders and I personally don't believe that's the case I think that a lot of riders in this world superbike championship are British because we have arguably the strongest domestic championship so yeah. you know uh, that's not disrespecting IDM or places like that if you look at the likes of Marcus Reiterberger or Chavi Forrest himself who have come from those series but historically a lot of the leading riders that we have now in World Superbike have come from the British British Championship so I think it's only right that, or only you know it's uh, what's the word I'm looking for it's, uh, it makes sense that yeah. you know, there's, there's more British riders I think it's going in cycles in racing yeah. don't they we've seen this before we've had eras 
of Americans coming through, we've had strong Australians coming through, and I guess it will change again as time goes on. It's just what happens, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you look at um, America, you mentioned American riders, it yeah. was three or four years ago that we had a couple of Americans on the World Superbike Grid, then we didn't have any, and yeah. then now we've got Jake Gagne and PJ Jacobson, so it yeah, does true. go in cycles. And, yeah. you know, I don't recall that we've ever had three Spanish riders full-time in the World Championship. I know Sergio Fuentes a few years ago, Perry Reba, that would have made it two, but Ooh. I was trying to look at mean being Mr. Statistic, and I don't think we've so ever three had three full-time Spaniards. Yeah, that That's is a good question. Providing, of course, Jordi Torres and Xavi yeah. Torres remain on the grid, but yes. arguably we'll have three full-time yes. Spanish riders, um, hopefully all on good bikes, thrown into the mix a handful of Italians, uh, yeah. you know, where uh, Loris Baz hopefully stays in the championship as well, uh, depending what he does, get some French riders in there. Uh, Marcus Reiterberg, a German rider, may be coming into the championship. There's a lot of rumour and speculation yeah. that he's going to step back into the championship. So, you know, keep, keep the Americans on the grid. You know, all we need now is a, a couple of Aussies, a Japanese rider in there, and uh, all nations covered. Yeah, it would be great if we raced in Japan as well. Let's see what happens over the next few years. But uh, Jerez is back on the calendar as well. We know that for a fact, don't we? There's a new three-year deal from Jerez we saw reported in the Spanish press. A lot to look forward to. In terms of the paddock now, if I'm not mistaken, you'll correct me if I am, isn't it all open paddock now, certainly for next year or not? For next year, I'm not 100% sure. For this right. year, all rounds, barring the two uh, Italian rounds, were open paddock. Right, um, that's good news. The Italian rounds were open paddock on a Friday. Yeah. Um, but as you will have seen by the crowd numbers, we had the largest crowd ever in Europe in a World Superbike race since Dorna took over control of the championship uh, in Imola. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, there's... It always frustrates me a little bit when people say the numbers are dwindling and uh, you know from my perception in the paddock and, and certainly if you look at the numbers you know a lot of the races this year have been absolutely packed and I think so oh, the paddock at even Mizano and even I said on the telly it didn't look great that the stands weren't very full if full at all in Mizano that's because everyone was in the paddock everyone was in the yeah, paddock yeah, and I'll also just add extra grandstands I'm not by the way anyone listening in don't get me wrong I know we need more crowds in World Superbikes it's not a great situation but in its defence there were extra grandstands put up at Mizano, ready for MotoGP, which is coming up soon, and it makes it look even more empty than it actually is. Yeah, it's, but it's, big, it's like Portimao has such a big grandstand, you're never going to make that look full, are you? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I, I don't fully agree with what you said, so I'm going to get this. No, no, probably gonna, this is going to be our first argument in, in several <laughs> years, mate. And, uh, but no, I mean, I don't fully agree that the numbers are, are, are a problem. Now, maybe arguably in some circuits or in some countries, yes, yeah. but if you look at the bigger picture, crowd True. numbers have, have risen year on year over the last four or and five years. And the thing years. is, what are we comparing to? Because it's not fair to compare it to MotoGP at the end of the day. Why would we expect it to be as busy as MotoGP? Look, turn the clock back 10 years, 20 years. Everybody talks about the glory days of World Superbike. And for me, arguably, the glory days will change year on year. 20 years ago, everyone raves about Brands Hatch and the great crowds. And, and I'm not disputing that. It was great crowds. But it was a different era. It was different yeah. bikes. It was yeah. different personalities. It was yeah. different riders. It was a different support category. The market was different as yeah. well. People the economic situation bikes. was different. Yeah. If you turn the clock back to 1990 uh, and look at MotoGP or 500s as it was then, Ooh. there were 16 or 17 bikes on yeah. the grid at Laguna Seca and yeah. for the whole season, but nobody complained. So even MotoGP 2010, 11, 12, the grid was really dwindling until CRT came along and saved it. Yeah. Not that long ago. No. So, I mean, I understand where people are drawing the comparisons, but as you said, what are we comparing this to? If we're comparing it on last year, is the racing closer than last year? The answer is yes. 100%. Nobody has won a race by more than five seconds, and that was Tom Sykes in Ooh. race two at Aston. Aston. Yeah. So the racing is closer. Is the same person leading the championship, a, you know, Jonathan Ray? Yes. Yeah. Have other riders around him made mistakes? Yes. yes. 
Yes. And, you know, true. but this is the same as what happened when Mark Marcus won the first nine races and nobody complained. Well, do you know what? You've got a good point there because I, like you, I love MotoGP, I love World Superbikes, British Superbikes, Formula One, everything. Obviously, we're more involved in bikes, but at the end of the day, the same person has won the MotoGP title now. I think, is it, what is it, four times in the last five years? But people don't complain at that. They do complain if it happens in World Superbikes. No, but I, I think, look, at the end of the day, you know, it's not for me or for you to tell yeah. people what they should support, what they shouldn't yeah, support, you know. I, I'm, I'm with you. I love all kinds of racing, whether it's domestic racing, you know, I'll quite happily uh, watch the Finnish Championship or yeah. the, the yeah, Norwegian yeah. Championship if it's on TV and you're flicking through, and you know. You do watch them. And I do watch them, yeah. <laughs> I never get out, mate. I've got no friends. But anyway. Um, no, I, you know, why he's got no hair now. Yeah, exactly. But no, I, I genuinely love watching bike racing. And, yeah. and for me, and I think I said this uh, on stage in Laguna, it just annoys me when you get keyboard warriors who maybe yeah. arguably have never actually been in the paddock yeah. in any championship yeah. for the last five or six years where yeah. they, they, they draw these comparisons and they get sucked in and then it turns into all of this negative yeah. um, media storm where it's not. You know, no. why, why can't we all just enjoy the sport that we yeah. love? Yeah, you know, a lot of those keyboard warriors, am I naughty for saying this? Are people in the press room, particularly the most oh, press you're room... you're being naughty there, Gregory. <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? Because the truth of the matter is... Yeah, we're lucky to have so many good championships around. Look, I mean, you're right. At the end of the day, the journalists are paid to create a storm. Yeah. That's how they get clicks on a website. As long as, That's how... as long as it's not utter rubbish. Yeah, you know, so they're only doing their job, and I see that. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. for, from my point of view, you know, all I can speak was in terms of the role that I've got. Do, do I see an increase in, in, in numbers, going back to your original point, yeah. in World Superbike? Yeah. Now, it doesn't matter whether you're taking a figure that's produced by the circuit or by Dawn or what's printed. You know, I'm in the, on the paddock show stage yeah. three days from nine in the morning till six at night. Yeah. There is physically more people in the paddock. You know, yeah. Dorna have made a great step this year. They've introduced this unique feature where they've got the podium, the park ferme, the riders are riding through in there. Yeah. That's created a now whole that is different. Very good, actually. It's a whole new concept. It's a whole new dynamic. At the beginning of the season, people said it wouldn't work. They said the fans wouldn't like it. They said circuits wouldn't agree to it. Yet we go to some circuits now where they're asking for it to happen. So, yeah. you know, I think people just need to look at the bigger picture. As you mentioned, CRT with MotoGP, that was brought in to try and close the gap to make the racing available yeah. and if you look okay it's not quite the same it's different different regulations but the process of what they're trying to do now with the rev limits the parity the access to concession parts all Dorna are trying to do is do exactly the same as what they did in MotoGP and look at the fantastic spectacle the fantastic racing yeah. that we've got now so let's give it a chance let's keep it going let's you keep the fans coming in and keep the entertainment going and I think it's right that they are two different championships you know I know people will argue well why doesn't why doesn't they do it in World Superbike what well, why don't they do MotoGP, what they're doing in World Superbike, but I think there has to be a distinction between the two championships. This is just my personal opinion, and you know, ultimately, what is wrong with having two fantastic World Championships? MotoGP for the prototype machines with the best riders on prototypes, and World Superbikes being the best riders in the world on road-going yep. machines, which is what it was designed for in the first place. Let's stop the moaning, let's stop the bitching, let's just uh, <laughs> get our sun cream on, let's get across to a race in Europe and just enjoy racing. I think another thing from you the outside. Me off now, that's like a bloody politician. That's, that's the whole point of the Full Throttle podcast. We love it. Um, if you compare Formula One with touring cars, which is more or less in a nutshell, oh, we talked about this before, haven't we? I think one thing is there is visually a big difference between a Formula One racing car, a prototype racing car, and a Vauxhall Vector touring car. I mean, they're pretty different, aren't they? Superbikes they and MotoGP bikes, to the layman, they look the same, don't they? Yeah. And I think uh, that might sound like a stupid thing to say, but I think that's another thing as well. It's more dif difficult to differentiate those two things. And I remember Chas Davis said this to me last year. We have to, whatever it, whatever we do with them, 
people need to know it's different. It's different. They're not the same thing. Yeah, well, I mean, again, my little nephew just turned 14. He was here, yes, and he's not technical. He loves bike racing, you know. Yeah. He's a massive fan of Rossi. He's at BSB at Cadwell as yeah, well. Yeah, he was at the BSB yeah. at Cadwell, yeah. You know, and for him, he just wants to see bike racing. But I think you're right. We have to educate, if that's yeah. the right word, yeah. um, new fans coming into the sport. My dad, who's sort of late 60s, early 70s, he knows the difference because yeah. he grew up with it. So yeah. he was there when World Superbike was born. He understands the difference and, and how things have evolved. What does he think of it now out of interest, having watched it since it began? He acknowledges that there's a difference, but you know he, he also acknowledges the fact that you know it, it's 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 a different world that we're living in. Yeah. You know, and things move on, technology moves on. Yeah. You know, the Ducati Superbike now is not the Ducati 999 that Raymond Roche won the World Championship <laughs> no, on. You know, it's, it's you know things move on, times yeah. change, championships change. You know, look at the access now, even in terms of social media. You know, arguably, you know, if I wasn't privileged enough to be in the job that I'm in, would I come here all weekend to a MotoGP race? Okay, probably to the British one, you would argue, yes, maybe you would. Yeah. But as a fan, would I would I do that? Mm. Would I spend that kind of money if I didn't have that disposable income? No, I'd probably buy a video pass, or I'd watch yeah. it on yeah. on Eurosport, or I'd watch it on. You'd absolutely watch it on Eurosport. Well, turn, watch I, on, I think you'd watch on Eurosport. Well, I, well obviously, I'd turn it down when you're. Is this speaking. the Eurosport podcast you're on here? You know. Yeah, that, no, I turn it down when you're on. Of course, <laughs> I mean uh, anybody else commentating, uh, like Whitsam or Jack Burnicle, yeah, the volume's right. full blast, mate. But Fair uh, <laughs> the earplugs go in when I know. Well, Michael Hill, thanks for joining us. <laughs> no, no, but do, do you know the point yeah. I'm trying to make? Is yeah. it, it's so much more accessible. Twitter, things like this, you can follow live timing now. I mean, yeah. we've been here talking however long we've been talking, but we've been following on live timing uh, from Portimao, the test from World Superbike. So yeah. we can see what's happening and yeah. we're not even there. So no, it's, it's different. So I think people just need to look at that and, you know, not wanting to go on a soapbox because that's, that's, that's not me, that's not a personality. But, you know, I think MotoGP is great. I think World Superbike is great. I think the British Championship is great. I think the CV championship is great. I just love bike racing, and I just wish sometimes that people would think before they start firing yeah. off on social media and yeah, go, actually, true. you know what? Um, they're all great championships. We all say how much we love two-wheel sport, and for me, it doesn't matter whether it's a club race at Darley Moor or yeah. whether it's a world championship race. True. It's motorcycle racing, yeah. and let's just enjoy it. I agree with you completely. Um, we were having a quick look at Portimao there. We haven't gone in, we're not going to lie, we've not looked into the detail yet of the actual race runs. Uh, but Eugene Laverty is somebody who grabbed our attention because as things stand as we're sat here at half past three on Friday afternoon, he's quite some way down the timesheet. He's 13. He's 13. 13, yeah. But I reckon he's really focusing on his race pace there because he reckoned he could win with that bike when we get to Portimao. And that's quite exciting. I think we've got some big surprises coming up. Do I think Jonathan Ray is going to win the championship before the last race? Yes, honestly speaking. However, I think we're going to have some interesting developments. Honda's had a big week for testing. They've done four days, haven't they? They the did a yeah. private oh. test on Monday and Tuesday as well. That Honda, they're hoping and thinking they may well get a podium in the dry weather before the end of the season. So we could have Cami on the podium. We could have a win for the Aprilia. There's still a lot to look forward to this year. We're all talking about next year. There's still no, there's four a... rounds to go, including the new one in Argentina. Yeah, no, I mean, well, firstly on the Argentina thing, cannot wait to go yeah, to Argentina. It is, it is definitely happening. So we're here. You know, it's definitely happening. And Your flights uh, are booked, Flights are booked, yeah. hotel is booked. Yeah. I'm spending a couple of days in Buenos Aires beforehand. Oh, nice. uh, cannot wait. So, uh, no, I think it's great. It's another new country. World Superbikes has never been to South America. So that's fantastic. And yeah. that, that's, that's important, actually. And I think it's also, you know, worth saying that it, it's, it's great that they've actually kept the pressure on that they've made this happen. You yeah. know, they, there's been a lot of visits backwards and forwards by the FIM and for, you know, various Dorna personnel. And, yeah. you know, the fact that it's got the green light, I think it's fantastic. Going back to your point about the last four races, you know, 
could we see a Honda on the podium? Absolutely. Um, does Leon Camille deserve it? Absolutely. You know, are we potentially going to see Jake Gagne producing his best results? I think we are. You know, he seems to be getting more confident. Let's not forget, you've taken a rider that spent his entire racing career in Moto America, mm. which until recently, uh, until the likes of Eliasa joined, uh, you know, not disrespecting anybody else, but the, the level there that you had two or three factory bikes and that was it. So they're also still on Dunlop tyres, aren't they? Yeah, they run a different. I mean, that's a big difference, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they run different tyres and, uh, you know, they obviously Wayne Rainey and uh, uh, took Axeland and the guys, they took it over from, from what was AMA. And, you know, when you've only got three factory bikes, it's like when Cameo was here with James Ellison on the Airwaves bike in the British Championship. Yeah. If those riders were not somewhere near the front, or Hodgson and Rubens out on the, uh, the Xerox bikes in Worlds, yeah. if those two bikes weren't somewhere battling at the front, then there's something wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, I think Honda deserve it. They've worked really well. Kervin Boss has done a great job. Chris Pike's in there now as well. So. Remember as well, they were basically thrown into a situation where they were forced to change the yeah, ECU. The ECU Aragon. The I mean, that thing. is a huge... We can't stress how big a change that is, the electronic. Yeah. It's so frustrating as a commentator because you can't see electronics. No. But it's more important, apart from tyres, it's probably the most important element now. Yeah, and of course, let's not forget, Leon got injured at the beginning of the year. Yeah. You know? And he's been injured again, hasn't he? Yeah. Suzuka as well. Yeah, he got injured again. You know, he's been on the front row of the grid. He was close to the podium in Thailand. Yes, he, he was, was fifth in the World close. Championship before yeah. we came back into Europe mm. on a bike that everybody said couldn't go round corners and, yeah, you know, yeah, and Leon yeah, yeah. proved that he could. So It also proves that bike wasn't as rubbish as everybody thought it was in 2017. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously horses for courses and, and different you know, situations and, you know, we're not on the bike so we can only say it as we see it on the on the, on yeah. the track but, you know, I think I think Honda deserve a podium for sure for the work that they've done. They will be, in my opinion, a contender next year. Ooh. Could Eugene Laverty win? And I think going back to your original point of who Laverty's down in 13th. I agree with you. I remember when he raced with Suzuki and he was nowhere in testing and then he went and won at Phillip Island. He is a thinker. Eugene Laverty. Maybe sometimes at, at times he overthinks it. You know, and he, by his own admission he overthinks yeah. it. But he is very meticulous. He knows how to develop a bike. He knows how to set up a bike. And look what he's done with the Aprilia this year, the first half of the season. Working, working, working. And then saying, look, guys, come on, trust me. Yeah, yeah. Believe me. Just he This is what I'm down. telling you. He put yeah. his foot down. What yeah. happens? He goes out and gets on the podium. And he said, he said to me in an interview with Motorcycle News, he said that went down like a lead balloon. However, everyone sort of forgot about that once the results once started the coming results in. Come in you Two know? sides to every story, of, yeah, course, of course, but that was his but, version of it. But the point is, he is a thinker, and yeah. he will be working hard. He loves Portimao. Yes. Even when he was running for the Parkour Guard team in Super yes. Sports and stuff, he is quick around Portimao, and it does not worry me one little bit. And I probably guess if we could get him on the phone now and have a three-way conversation, he would say, no, not a problem. We've done seven race runs. I mean, I don't know. We haven't, as you said, we haven't looked at yeah. the lap times, but he yeah. will be doing long race runs. Yeah. He won't be too worried. Um, We've had a few red flags that disrupted it. Well, they did yesterday. I'm not sure. Thursday this is. Um, but yeah, he'll be there. He'll be there. Yeah. And also, Mike, remember James Whittam at the start of the year said, if you look at all the uh, all the bikes in that championship with the revs being pegged back as they were this year, the Aprilia lost more than anyone else because that yeah. bike had been developed so much over the last what five six years. Yeah. They had more to lose. Yeah. So they've had to come back from that too. More than Kawasaki, more than Ducati, more than everyone. Yeah. No, for sure. And do you know what I would like to see as well? And this is just my own personal thing. I'd love to. I mean, I know we had Loris Baz on the front row of the grid at Donington. Mm. I would love to see the BMW now that we. Going yeah. into, the, into the last half of the season, whether there'll be any more uh, rev changes, because again, 
after Portimao, yeah. there will be a potential after Mizano. After Mizano, so yeah. so again, we've heard nothing so far. We've not heard anything in terms of anyone's bought any concession parts, and obviously yeah. Loris Baz is not testing. I don't think Altea were going to test anyway because um, Genesio Bevilacqua had made a statement or there's something on social media that he said that we had nothing new to test anyway. So um, there's no problem for Loris being there. But you know, that's interesting. Yeah. Sometimes they do private tests in Italy, don't they? Yeah, I don't know whether they've run one since. They um, have, and I'd be also, surprised if they have. Have they done one? Yeah, yeah. they've also had Alessandro Del Bianco, the yeah. stock rider on the bike yeah. as well. So you know, what'll be interesting for me talking about where we could see a surprise? It's Argentina because no one's been there yeah, before. True, true, true. It doesn't look like they're going to get any extra track time. It looks like it's going to be a normal weekend. I remember the first time we went to, to Thailand, they got an extra 10 or 15 minutes yeah, in the first session. Did, it yeah. doesn't look on the timetable that, that's on the, the Dorna, on the World Superbike website, it doesn't look like there's any additional track time. So no one's been there. The only person, arguably, that's done any laps is Tati Mercado, who did three or four laps and said that he didn't even get his knee down because they're still laying the tarmac. What was he riding? Do you know? I don't know. Not sure what he was riding, but he has... But it wouldn't have been his superbike, obviously. No, it was not a superbike. It was a road bike, uh, maybe yeah. a 600 or something, but you know, he's done a few laps. And by all accounts, if you look on uh, on worldspk.com, the, the interview that they did with Tati Mercado, he said the track will be phenomenal. He said it will be a yeah. rider's circuit, lots of undulation, fast corners, slow corners. Anti-clockwise as well, which is always a bit different. Which I think, be. if I'm not mistaken, sorry to butt in, isn't it an uphill climb to the first corner, yeah. I think? A little bit like Austin, Texas. Yeah, yeah. And not quite like that. Yeah, he said similar. he was surprised at just how much up and down yeah. and very, because obviously the videos and things that we have seen, yeah. we think, oh, it just looks a bit flat. It looks like we're Ooh, in the middle not, of a desert. No way. Not at all. Not so at all. I think that, you know, everyone's working flat out. They're building all the new pit garage complex and the medical centres and things like that. They are working flat out to get this circuit ready. I heard there's a team of, um, I think if I'm not mistaken, it's something like five or six hundred people working 24 hours in different shifts. Yeah. You know, I can well is, believe that. I, yeah. I think they need to. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's not going to be... Uh, they're not probably going to have a permanent media centre on this first one, but let's not forget, Laguna Seca for many years had a tent as its media centre. Yeah, um, the medical centre will be a full building, the pit buildings will be all completed. I don't know how many grandstands there'll be, but safety-wise it will be fully compliant, otherwise actually, they won't race. No, no, and I think it will be full. I think there will be a load of people uh, in this race. It's the first race in South America. You know, the American fans that come across to Laguna are passionate. You know, okay, arguably it's still going to be a four or five, six hour flight, depending where you're coming from in America, but it's now another race that some of these die-hard American fans could jump on a plane and make a weekend of it. What wouldn't be a bad idea as well, I've literally just thought of this off the top of my head, but Max Sheeb, the Chilean rider who's in stock thousand, of course we're not far from the border of Chile there, if Dorna can somehow organise a wild card for him, this is me making this up, but that wouldn't be a bad idea. I'd rather get a few more yeah. people in. And of course, Yoni Hernandez is Colombian. It's as close yeah. to a home yeah, race yeah. for Yoni Hernandez. He's just yeah. re-signed with Pedicini for next year. True. And you know, um, he, of course, uh, Hernandez is not the only um, Colombian ever to race. He's the second Colombian ever yeah. to race in World Superbike. But he's the first ever South American, uh, well, Colombian rider. Obviously, Tati Mercado's made yeah. it into Super Bowl, but the first ever Colombian to make it into Super Bowl too, uh, which he did in Brno. Oh, yeah, he did. Uh, so yeah, again, good, new track. He's not at a disadvantage of not knowing where he's going. Mm -hmm. That Pedicini bike isn't a million miles away. Okay, it's not a full factory bike. It's not the same spec as, as Jonathan's, but it's not far off. And again, as you said, we don't know what concession parts these other teams. Go 11, another mm -hmm. team, Roman Ramos. He's mm -hmm. regularly in the points, always knocking on the door for the top 10. Yeah. Mercado, that Orillac bike, brand new team run by uh, Giulio Bardi and the guys. You know, there could be some real surprises yeah. in Argentina. These teams are doing... Really, to put this into perspective, you've got a MotoGP team with Kawasaki, and they're up against 
without sounding disrespectful, comparatively speaking, underfunded privateer teams. So when these guys are up there in the top 10, it might not look very good. It's actually an unbelievable effort. No, no, let's let's put it this in, in uh, let's have a reality. It's a world championship. Yeah. You know, and it's arguably like in any racing, there are always going to be teams at the front, there's always going to be teams at the back. But that yeah. doesn't mean that the teams at the back are not putting in the effort. It's I mean, like we've the, been Minardi the... in Formula One. Yeah. You know, and yeah. everyone loved Minardi for that, didn't they? Yeah. You know, and it, you know, you make the analogy there to Formula One. Look at Williams now. Yeah. You know, for many, many years. McLaren the last few years. You know, they're right at the back. And that is, Williams is a, is a, is a probably better funded team than the Haas team. Yeah. In, you know, yeah, yeah, but yeah. they're struggling. So, it, as you said before, it all goes in circles. You know, I think that the racing in World Superbike is closer than it has been for many, many years. We've had some great races have, this year. Yeah. Donington. Yeah. I mean, how cracking was yeah. Donington? You know, um, it's been fantastic racing. Yes, we've still got the same winner, but you know what? And I've said this before, and I'm not wishing anything ill on Jonathan. I don't want anyone to crash. I don't want anyone to be injured. I don't want Kawasaki's to be blowing up. But it isn't over till it's over. No, it's true. World Superbike Championships have been won by half a point. Remember what happened last year at Magni Corps? Jonathan came off in qualifying, and typical Jonathan, he got on with it and pushed it, and of course won the championship and his 50th win that weekend. But he actually hurt himself in Superpole, didn't he? And it took a few weeks to get that it's sorted out. Know, and, he rode know, around the problem brilliantly, but as you say, anything can happen at any moment. Yeah, there's eight races left, and by my mathematics, that's still 200 points. What's his championship lead now? I'm trying to remember. It's been so long. It's well, you're putting Mr. Statistic, uh, Mr. Statistic <laughs> on the point, and I can't remember. Me. I can't remember. It's, well, it's 80 something points, yeah, isn't it? 84 it's, points, handy. 86. It's a big, it's a big lead. Yeah, it's so. the kind of lead that not only do the others need to be winning most of the races, they need other things to happen, but other things can happen. Yeah, other things can happen, and other things can happen in Portimao. Let's remember last year, uh, Sykes. Uh, Tom Sykes, that yeah. monster crash yeah. that he had in a fireball as he came over the top. Yeah, you only need a, a DNF, and it doesn't have to be a crash. It could be a technical problem. Now, okay, yeah. the Kawasaki's don't have many technical problems, but technical problems can happen. You know, Sykes had a technical problem early in the year with the suspension, or was it the brakes, or something happened in Thailand, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. it was, which was like, both. it never normally happens. Right. You know, so things can happen. You could get a wayward rider, let's just, you know, someone going for glory in, could, in a could, wet race. It could even rain. It rained in Portugal in 2015. We actually yeah. had pit stops in the first yeah, race. You never know what can happen. And, you know, I'm sure Jonathan is, look, let's be honest, he's looking comfortable. You know, he's favourite to become a four time world champion. Four on the bounce has never been done. Much he, deserved, obviously. Yeah, absolutely happen. much deserved. Much you deserved. can't take anything away from him. You've still got a twist the wrist yeah. um, when you're on the bike yeah. and uh, you know whether he's had the best bike or you know some people will say oh it's the bike he's on it's the team but you know what as it is it's a team it's, it's the people around him it's, it's the whole thing the whole piece of the jigsaw has to come together but you know if he wins the championship we will be thoroughly deserved but if he does win he arguably then is well not arguably he will become the greatest ever superbike rider now he'll be tied on on world championships with Carl Fogarty but given the fact that he has more race wins yeah. he will become even if he stops racing after Qatar he says ah do you know what I've changed my mind he then is yeah. the greatest rider in superbike and he has a new two-year deal already sorted doesn't he i yeah. mean he could go on to win i worked this out if he keeps seven, winning yeah he could be a seven-time yeah. world champion and he, he could, could be have more 85 than a, 90 wins if yeah. he keeps up this rate could be more than that couldn't he how many has he had now 60 something 64 yeah so he, 64 wins 26 races I mean, 26 and 26 yeah, is, yeah, yeah. 26 has 52 he could win greg my mathematics hit. 116 races <laughs> uh rider market there's some interesting developments you've already mentioned a few so let's just go through we haven't got this in on paper, we're just going off the top of our head. So, Kawasaki have got Rowe for another two years. Yep. Leon has them for one year at the moment. But that's, you would think that's one year with an option, surely? I would imagine so. And also, the general feeling is they're keeping the seat warm for 2020 for Toprak. 
There might be. However, you, if Toprak... You think that's going to happen? Well, I don't know. I think it could happen. But if Toprak doesn't have a good year next year, they're not going to be putting him on that bike in 2020, are they? If he has a terrible 2019, you wouldn't want him on that bike alongside Jonathan Ray the year after, would you? Surely. I mean, I could be wrong. Who's to say it's Kawasaki that will keep him, that want to keep him? Who's, well, to, who's to say he doesn't have a fantastic season and all of a sudden Yamaha or somebody else comes knocking true. on the door and yeah, fries yeah, him away? True. I mean, he doesn't have to stay loyal to Kawasaki. Yeah, very true. Um, I mean, you think he would, though, given Keenan Sofoglu is his manager and his yeah. mentor and he's kind of yeah. that Kawasaki affiliation. But uh, It's interesting, though, with the Haslam thing, because that was Kawasaki Japan who wanted that most of anyone, wasn't it? It was so, the Japanese so we're led side. To believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the oh. Japanese side of Kawasaki who really pushed for that. They know him from Suzuka. Those two have been teammates before, haven't they? At Suzuka and at Honda, of course, in World Superbikes. That'll be a strong lineup. We've talked about Ducati, talked about Yamaha. Tom Sykes, at the moment, we have a world champion on the grid. The pole record. Well, not on the grid. So, yeah, <laughs> so, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Potentially, we don't know where he's going. Exactly. So, uh, on the current grid, but not on next year's grid. Um, he's got the pole record. He's many, many, many wins over the last few years. Multiple podium finishes. He is a world champion, and he's got no ride. How on earth do you get yourself into that situation? That's very unfortunate, but what's he going to do? I can only see it being either Honda or Shawmuir Racing, and we still don't know what they're going to be doing. Now, interestingly, the idea was going to be either a V4 Ducati or a BMW deal, but now I'm led to believe that they might even still be considering a prettier option, so who knows? But I, I, I think you're looking at it all wrong. How, how do, <laughs> do you honestly believe, and again, I know Tom well, but not well enough to know what he's doing, so this is not because yeah. I know anything, but, you know... You think he's already got something in place? You... I would like to think so, because as you said, you run the risk of a world champion, a fan favourite, let's make no bones about that, the crowd will yeah. love him. Can the organisers um, even risk allowing... Ha now, I'm, this is a bit unfair, because you work for Dorna, so I'm not going to be naughty and ask you a naughty question, but can they afford to allow Sykes to not be on that grid? <laughs> well, that, but that is a good question, but I, I, I would like to think that, you know, he will have known long before the announcement was made that he wasn't staying at Kawasaki. Kawasaki will have yeah. been very fair to him. Yeah, he yeah. will have known probably for a couple of races, maybe longer, who knows. Um, it may have even been his decision. You know, we don't know the reason, whether, you know, we don't know whether he's walked or whether he was pushed. But and a lot of people yeah. say Bruno was the nail in the coffin, but honestly speaking, he probably wasn't going to stay anyway before that. No, I mean, my feeling is the decision was made before that. I don't know that. That's just my, yeah. my personal opinion. And if that decision was, whether it was him or whether it was Kawasaki saying we're letting you, whatever, they've mutually agreed to part. That's fine. We all can accept that that's yeah, racing it's, it's done dusted i cannot believe that he would not be talking to people because if it was instigated by him or he had a feeling look enough's enough i want a new challenge you would start knocking on doors now you're right to say honda there's a there's a seat there uh, you're right to say uh, sean muir there's two seats there arguably but i think you need to look further afield because yamaha options maybe. i think there's a potentially yamaha option but what about altea genesio bevilacqua has previously run altea and won world championships with carlos checker now it's a one-rider team now it doesn't mean it's not going to be a two-rider team but would sykes then argue and again i'm just playing devil's advocate here charlie hiscott style but if he doesn't know what bevilacqua is going to be running do you want to sign for someone you know they don't even know what their bike's going to be yet do they that's the problem but that's what we're told but how do we know that sean muir says that he <laughs> well, doesn't know what bike he's running true but the season starts in less than six months so i'm not saying sean doesn't i'm not saying you yeah. do i'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, just, I know. I'm yeah. just trying to play devil's advocate and flip yeah. the coin on what you're yeah. saying that as a team manager if i was a team manager I'm, I'm not a team manager but if i was thank goodness for that well i tell you what <laughs> there'd be some hellish hairstyles well, in the paddock actually, to be they? fair if you were a team manager you wouldn't mix your words you'd get stuff done no and i th but, and i think you know and i think genesio bevelac does yeah. that he's a very yeah. straight talking yes, uh, individual so yeah. too is sean muir and they are doing what any team manager would do. They're talking to multiple 
um, manufacturers because they want the best bikes. And let's not forget, it's not just the riders that want to win. Look at the difference in Honda. And I'm not knocking, obviously, previous results. Last year was a difficult year for Honda for many, many reasons. But that one good result at the beginning of the season, straight out of the blocks, and uh, all of a sudden Leon Cami is in the top six. Then he's on the front row of the grid. The mood, the physical mood oh, yeah. in that team You're from right. everybody, from the team manager, even to the tyre changer, even to the person that's sticking the pit board out, the morale changes. So it's not in the interest of Sean Muir or Dionisio Bevilacqua or Dennis Sacchetti or any of these other people that are going to potentially choose what manufacturer to run to not arguably go for the best bike that they can possibly get, which means there are conversations going on. And there's probably conversations going on further down the grid about manufacturers and things that we don't even know about. Well, honestly speaking, We've seen Sean Muir in the paddock here. Sean Muir will be having conversations with people here at Silverstone, won't it? It's, it's amazing. brilliant. As much of as the media goes, it's a done deal. It's, a, it's not a done deal. It's a done deal. This is close. He's now doing Ducati. Maybe he's going to run BMW. You know, is he going to run Suzuki? You know, there's all. You know, he's got to have a plan. And if if, if the option to to not run Aprilia is there, if that's taken away from him from whatever reason, he needs a plan B. Yeah, yeah. You'd do the same, Greg. Well, I'd like to think so. Martin Reigns would do the same. Well, we're, we've just been joined by Martin Reigns, another good friend fine, of ours. Sir. I'm absolutely fine, thank you very much. Martin is the official, well, is or was, the official, tis was. was. He <laughs> makes me look like a statistician. amateur, doesn't he? He a makes me look like a statistic amateur. <laughs> For many years, Martin, had, and still has, a fantastic MotoGP database. How are you, Martin? This is the um, Eurosport podcast. I'm absolutely fine. It's really good to be here. This is my first GP of the year. My 42nd consecutive British GP. So it's really <laughs> nice to be here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Stats already. I wanted to ask actually, Martin, as you're here, Dr. Martin, how important are the stats to racing? Because I think people often, as a commentator, Michael does his commentary, we know how important they are. I think they often get overlooked, don't they? It means so much these days, the way they integrate them into the television and social media. There's been, there's been big changes. When I first arrived, uh, uh, it was in 1996. Uh, nobody knew like how many podiums people have had, how many starts. There was nothing used. And uh, it's developed over the, the last 22 years such that it's integrated fully within the, the sport now. And I think people expect it. And I, I think it just makes the sport look more professional if you can provide that sort of information. Um, all other sports do it, like I, I'm a football fan as well, and when you're watching football, you get loads of stats about yeah. it. It just makes it like the sport understands itself, it appreciates its history, uh, and makes it look like a professional sport. So all around, I think they're important. Otherwise, I've been wasting my time for a long time, if not. <laughs> yeah. I think we as commentators, as presenters, yeah. whether it's on the stage, whether it's in a commentary box, we would agree because there are times when a red flag is thrown. Let's say that. you know, yeah. I, I can recall an incident last yeah. year in Imola where... Oh, Imola last year was Imola unbelievable. Was a red flag after red flag after red flag, and you're on the stage for 40 to 45 minutes, <laughs> and we're live. You can't just go and sit in the office in the backstage. You've got, I don't know, four or 500 people stood in front of the stage. You're live so broadcasting. What's all those bottles of booze in your office? Do you not sit <laughs> in no, there? No, don't mention that it's prosecco mate if you want to be if you want to be correct it's bottles of prosecco I, uh, yeah but no yeah, you know right. it, these statistics are important because you know for, for commentators like us we do take our statistics seriously although not as serious as, as you Greg with your multiple uh, uh, super folders backbreaking uh, folders yeah I, I carry uh, a, a mere little uh, sort of paper folder and uh, Greg turns up with half a dozen uh, ring binders but there we go but it, but it makes our job easier because if we didn't have these kind of stats this knowledge this information to, to fall back on how could we enter the people that are watching the races. I know you're very you true. You can do it. We're talking, before you go, we were talking about Alvaro Bautista Martin before, of course, he's coming next year to World Superbikes. 
Any decent Bautista stats off the top of your head? He was champion, of course, wasn't he, in the 125s, 2006? He was champion, and he's, he's won 125, he's won 250 races. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes in uh, World Superbikes. Um, Do you reckon he's a contender for the title? I think the first year, I'm not so sure, because I think there are probably better people than him gone across, Nicky Aiden, I'm saying, who found it very difficult. I think, I think after a lifetime, what has it been, 16 years in this paddock? Yeah, 16 I think, years, yeah, yeah. I think a lifetime and a long time in um, MotoGP on the tyres and those bikes, I think his ability is up with a top half dozen in World Suit Bikes. Whether he'll be able to convert that in the first year into results is a different thing altogether. And the important thing will be how he gets off in the first few races. And if he starts thinking of himself as a contender straight away, he will push. Um, whether he will win the title, I, I won't be putting my money on him, but I'm a Yorkshireman and I don't put my money on anybody. <laughs> I was going to say, we don't as Northerners do, don't we? <laughs> Tell us very quickly, Martin, about the Crispin Mulan bet that you put on. Oh, the, the famous Chris Vermeule of Vet, yeah. <laughs> do I have to do this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is a great story. I, I was at uh, Le Mans in 2007, actually. And, Le Mans, uh, sorry, yeah. It was Le Mans 2007. And in the uh, media centre, at the morning of the race, it was nice and sunny, as it happens. And it was uh, Matt Roberts and Susie Perry, I was sitting with them, and they said, well, it's going to rain during the Mans TP race. And I said, well, it doesn't look like rain. So they said, yeah, it's going to rain. And I said, well, get your money on Christopher Mullen. And at that point, I, I never put any bet ever on a motorcycle race. And I thought, well, if I'm telling them to put money on Christopher Mullen, I, I'd do it. So I opened a, an account with one of the online uh, betting companies and put my money on Christopher Mullen at 35 to 1. And of course, the race started, and it didn't look like Chris Mullen was going to win. But then it rained. Remember, Christopher Mullen never won a TV race at this time. Uh, it started to rain, and of course, what happened? But Chris Vermeulen came through <laughs> and won the race. So I go back into the media centre after talking to Matt Roberts and Gavin Emmett and saying, Hey, did you put the money on us? I buy. No, and I said, Well, I put the money on. And they said, All oh, right, beers are on you tonight, Renzi. How much did you put on? Well, a pound. <laughs> that is brilliant. And the only reason I put a pound on because it wouldn't accept 50p. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. It could have been even worse, though. <laughs> it was not a bad win. You've got to run, haven't you, Michael? I do, but uh, it has been a pleasure as ever, and I'm sure that uh, we'll catch up in Portimao in a couple of weeks, where hopefully it's not going to be as, as windy, although the rain has stopped here now, hasn't it? But yeah, uh, hopefully it it'll be a nice sunny day, and uh, it'll be a great uh, return to World Superbikes after the summer break. Yeah, absolutely. Martin, nice story there. Thanks for uh, your time as well. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Greg Haynes here, back in the studio. Many thanks indeed to Michael Hill and also to Martin Rains, the former statistician for the MotoGP World Championship. Very, very impressive database which continues to be used to this day. But my goodness me, what we did not expect when we were sat there back on Friday making predictions and looking at practice sessions for the weekend ahead was for the entire MotoGP event to be cancelled. They'd already brought the race start forward to 11.30 on Sunday morning with fears that there would be very heavy rain and therefore safety concerns in the afternoon but with a new track surface all around Silverstone we've had a Formula One race earlier there this year we had the World Endurance Championship for cars the previous weekend and basically without getting into this in too much complication the track was very very slippery the downforce of those cars had made the track 
basically like an ice rink at points. And we did see a very nasty incident involving Tita Rabat and others down at Stowe Corner in free practice four on Saturday morning. So when the rain got even worse, the organisers were forced to call off the 2018 British MotoGP. What a disappointment. And I really do feel sorry more than anyone for the fans who turned up in their droves at Silverstone despite the weather. So what a nightmare. What a difficult situation for everybody involved. But at the end of the day, safety comes first. And unfortunately, things like this can happen sometimes. Well, plenty of chat there then in the podcast this week about the World Superbike Championship. Plenty of reaction coming up next week as well to that Silverstone situation. And we'll be looking ahead to the next round of the British Superbike Championship, ironically, at Silverstone. So that's going to be very interesting as we look ahead to that one. Just three races to go, and then we will have the six riders decided for the 2018 BSB Showdown. So we'll speak to you in the podcast next Monday. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.